free my mind Open my heart with the whispers of truth To live a conscious life To live a conscious life On the growing And now, here's Allie. Hello, and welcome to Growing Edge Live. I'm Allie Benjamin, and it is such a joy to be here. I know we're going to have another amazing conversation with a beautiful soul-centered individual, Nemo. You're going to meet him soon. And he is channeling his time, his talent, his energy, his love, his resources, his creativity into doing amazing work on this planet. And so every episode, every Monday, we have a conversation with, with an individual that is spreading their wings and sharing love with the world. And so today we'll get to meet Nima Patel from Empty Hands Music. But before then, I just want to say welcome back and I want to say thank you to Mimi because Mimi has sent us a question for our Ask Ali se section. And so we're going to dive into this question of the week. She says, last week, many people celebrated Valentine's Day and there is a lot of talk about love in the month of February. I'm single and I'm not looking for a relationship at the moment. My spirituality is central to my life and how I wish to share love with the world. Can you speak to how we as individuals can actualize love in our lives and the world? This is such a beautiful question. Whether we're in a relationship, whether we're looking for one, um, or whether we're not, we can really um, ground ourselves in this idea that each of us are here to actualize love. And how we do that, there's just so many ways as individual, individualized incarnations of the, the one spirit, the one life, God, we all have an opportunity to individualize or create the way we express our love and the way we show up as love's presence. So to answer your question, Mimi, how can we actualize love in our lives? I um, primary and foundational thing is to have a relationship with reality, have a deep, loving relationship with God, with source, with the grand overall designing presence, whatever you call the creative energy, um, the God force, the divine. And so having a deep relationship with the divine, for me, it happens just by being aware that I'm present, I'm here, I'm now, I'm connected to life, I'm awake, I'm aware, I'm not wandering in my thoughts. And so the best way to, to connect in this way, I believe, is through meditation, through contemplation, through mindfulness. And as we, as the old saying goes, energy flows where our attention goes. As we give our attention to what I'm calling our primary relationship with life, with the creative life force energy, as we start to get familiar with 
what it feels like to be so present, so aware that we're all connected to one another, all people, all life. We're all part of this amazing experience here on planet Earth, broken down to the smallest and minutest level, the subatomic particles. We're all made up of the same quantum stuff. And so as we fall in love with this idea that we're all in this grand, beautiful expression of life together, this quantum soup, and we can become familiarized with what it feels like to be connected, not just physically, not just on a subatomic level, but through this invisible, amazing, beautiful energy of love that is the very foundation of our experience. And so as we start to give our attention to this reality, as we start to be more mindful in our lives and develop this primary relationship, feeling grateful for all that we have and all that we've experienced up to this point. And as we start to really ground into that, the natural thing that occurs is we start to realize in our lives all the things that we have to be grateful for. When we're coming from this place of deep love for being alive, deep love for feeling the connection with all of humanity, we start to see more evidence of that in our world. We may start to hear music and that lights us up. We may start to, to pay more attention to the people that cross our paths and, and really make eye contact and, and feel, get a real sense of being whomever comes across our paths, being somehow connected at a very core and fundamental level, knowing that we're all so similar. We're all, we all have our struggles, we all have our challenges, we all have great loves and successes and do things that, that light us up. But when we can see each other as people that this life isn't easy and we all have ups and downs. And when we come across someone else, when our paths meet, maybe at work or out in the world, if we take a moment to really connect at that heart level, we don't have to say anything to these individuals, but we can just pause for a moment and connect and feel the energy that may be happening. I know I go for a walk every day and I pass people all the time and I make sure I make some eye contact just and smile. And in that brief moment, there's a connection. And I believe we're actualizing love just by our awareness of our connection, making eye contact, acknowledging that, that other person with a smile or a nod, or maybe a hello or good morning. We just slow down and take time to really acknowledge what life, what the universe is presenting to us in any given moment. There's always an opportunity to go deeper, to connect. And so, Mimi, how do we actualize love? We actually realize that we're doing it. We do that in every moment. And I think another thing is, besides you know, paying attention, giving space to our primary relationship with all of life and with the divine, the life force energy within us, 
is self-love, developing such compassion for ourselves, such a, an acceptance for our journey. Many of us can, can carry guilt or blame or shame or uncertainty or frustration in our lives. Maybe things didn't turn out the way we wanted to and maybe we beat ourselves up. So we can also actualize love in forgiving ourselves, in coming into a more gentle, compassionate relationship with ourselves. I remember I went to a, an event some years ago. It was, uh, I was doing inner engineering with Sadhguru, uh, this teacher that I had been working with. And I was at one of his events and I had an opportunity. We were, we were learning some, some um, practices and some breath work. And then we'd get up and do some movement. And, and I remember I touched hands with him and in that brief moment, it was one of those sort of magical transcendent moments as we touched hands, I had this instant feeling of falling in love with myself. It was as though something within him and something about that moment being in that room that was so full of love triggered something in me that, that helped me remember the preciousness of this life and falling in love with myself and, and dropping some of those, those false masks or those, those feelings and mindsets of, of self-doubt and uncertainty and, and shame that, that I carried seemed to disappear in that moment. And so pay attention to you know, being, being in the world, doing your spiritual studies, spending time in meditation and start to develop this deeper connection with yourself and what's important to you. Because this is how we actualize love. We actually take time to consider ourselves, to ask ourselves, what's most important in my life? What, what would bring me such joy? What can I do? What can I participate in? What can I co-create with others that will give me this greater feeling of connection and oneness that I'm actually using this vehicle, my body, my mind, my heart, my hands, to do good work in the world. What is this? And start inquiring. What would I love to do? Who would I love to be? And how can I visualize myself doing this? And once we can visualize ourselves doing and being the person we want to be, doing the things that we would love to do that have a ripple out effect on the rest of the world, we, that vision starts to draw us forward. It, instead of being like Michael Beckwith talks about being pushed by our pain, we start to be pulled forward by our vision, pulled forward by this greater yet to be that we're becoming. And this is how we actualize love. We organize our thoughts and our emotions and our actions and our energies in alignment with those things that light us up and bring us joy. So Mimi, I hope this has answered your question. How can you spend more time cultivating, nurturing this loving presence that you are and we all are? We do it one moment at a time, one heart-to-heart -heart connection at a time showing up as the presence of love in each and every moment. So peace and blessings to you wherever you are. 
and if any of you viewers have a question that you'd like to explore here with us, go ahead and email that to me at growingedgelive at gmail.com. Thank you so much. All right, so, so that was fun to talk about love before we get into our conversation with Nima Patel. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I met Nemo several months ago at the um, Unity Village in Missouri. Oh, there's a little bit of feedback there. Um, and we were, Nemo was a keynote speaker at the Anton Retreat, the affiliated New Thought Network. And so I grabbed him and I said, you're amazing. I can't wait for you to be on my show. And he said, yes. So Nemo is a world-renowned hip-hop musician, humanitarian, and an ambassador of love and peace. His music and his music videos have traversed the world to over a million viewers. Now we're gonna get deeper into who he is and what he does. He is the founder of Empty Hands Music. And so Nemo, welcome. Thank you, Allie. Thank you for that intro to Mimi's question and just bringing us back to what this life is about and, and connecting to the small things. What, what you are sharing today, um, right now, this quote by Mother Teresa, which I deeply always come back to, that we may not all be able to do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And what you are sharing about how do we actuate and, and embody that brought me back to that you know, how do we do small things with great love? So thank you for that introduction. And thank you, Mimi, also for bringing us into that space. Oh, yeah, thank you. That is. So talking about Mother Teresa, you're, she did a lot of her work in India. And you're in India. Yeah. So, That's right. <laughs> so you are living in India. Are you a native of India? Yeah, my ancestral roots are. I was born in Los Angeles, uh, had no thought ever that I would end up in India, to be honest, and no desire growing up wanting to ever come to India. But as we know, you know, the plan is not in our hands. It's uh, there's some higher powers involved. And so for the last 15 years, I have been living here um, in, in, in deep uh, awe. Kind of, I never had imagined it, and now I live here, and I'm, I'm just, I feel blessed. I actually, you know, funny thing is, when I was graduating high school and college, and kind of had this other mindset that I was, another paradigm I was living from. I always envisioned having a beach house in Santa Monica. That was kind of the plan. That was the <laughs> blueprint that I had laid out, and ending up in like a desert, like an arid city that averages about a hundred degrees for the whole year polluted, super polluted, um, 8 million population, um, the opposite of what I had envisioned, but I love it. And I'm here and I'm stuck here because I want to be here. Not, not because I'm stuck from external pressure. So it's, it's so interesting where life takes us. It is. It definitely is. So how did you end up, what has been your spiritual journey? And, you know, were you, you have roots, you know, in, in LA, but you have roots in India. Are you, have you always had a, um, like, have you had a spiritual practice or were you born into a religion? Like how has your journey been and how did you get to be there where you are now? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, well, so growing up in terms of religion and spiritual practice, you know, growing up in, in Los Angeles, in, in, you know, about 20 miles east of downtown LA, it was a very diverse community, uh, extremely diverse. Every possible kind of ethnicity and culture in my, you know, in all the schooling kind of that I've been through. So for me, that was a temple in and of itself, a church in and of itself. Like to be, to grow up with a, a heterogeneous kind of community of people, ethnic, ethnic ethnically, um, is heart opening whether you want it or not. You're you're exposed to all different types of people, all different uh, needs, all different levels and of society. So that was one thing. But then parents being immigrants from India, Ali, like every Sunday we went to the temple. They were Hindu. My parents uh, were brought up Hindu. They brought us up Hindu. And so for us, every Sunday was their way to stay rooted in their culture being immigrants. And, and we grew up in that space. But I'll tell you, you know, and I've even written a song on this called Dear God. Um, my journey with religion and God has ever so evolved in a way that I think the idea of blind faith when we're young, we're doing what our parents tell us. The questioning that goes on, I think, in the older years through college. And then the realization that God is good. And that good is in all of humanity, in all religions that are representing the good in humanity. Uh, that's what religions are, are, are there to do. And, and so it's grown to become very uh, expansive, I would say, and that for me, like where people say God's name, I always say Jay Jagat in our, in our culture here, it means glory to the planet. That's my religion, you know, and glory to all beings and may all beings be happy and peaceful. And so with that, I don't mind meditating or praying in a mosque, a church, a you know, synagogue, a gurudwara, a derasa, or a it all feels the same to me. And and I think that's been kind of the evolution. Um, but ending up in ending up in India was was not necessarily a religious journey or a spiritual journey. Mm. It was one of need on one end, and then eventually one of a discovery. And um, if you want, I can share more about that, but I, yeah. I don't want to talk too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, this, this hour is about you, so we're hoping that you've got a lot to say. <laughs> so what was, the need? what was this need that took you to India? Yeah, you know, so post-college, I was living in New York. I was doing kind of the journey towards um, the dream that I had, which was become CEO of Warner Brothers. I was passionate about business and passionate about entertainment. And so I went to, you know, business school and then I started working in the business space, was doing a lot of work in the entertainment space. But in the midst of all that, um, I got a chronic hand injury that was not being resolved through all the possible, um, support systems that I could find in Los Angeles. And that was obviously a neurologist, orthopedic, um, all forms of allopathy, ancient Chinese medicine, acupuncture. Um, and it just started getting worse. And my dad was like, well, there is another option. It got to a point where I couldn't even like brush my teeth without it really severely painting. So he's like, well, you can try Ayurvedic treatment and medicine. And that is, uh, a form of ancient kind of natural um, medicinal and, um, you know, 
physiotherapical um, medicine that's 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 taught in India and, and treated in India. So I I was like, let me try it. I'm okay. I'm okay trying that because I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere with the other stuff. And so I came out to India specifically for that. I actually put my business on pause. I was part of a, a band. We put that on pause. And I said, I'm just going to give myself a break and really focus on health. And when I came out here, I ended up volunteering with an NGO. I wanted to use my time productively as well. So I decided to volunteer with the NGO that had brought 14 children from the slums of the local community here on a performance tour in 2002 when I was living in New York. And I went to go see that show. So this was kind of like full circle five years later when I was going back to India, I, I was like, well, I love that NGO. And I was deeply moved by the children that performed on stage um, that time I had seen it. So I reached out and I said, I want to come volunteer and I want to produce a music album for children that can sing um, from, you know, these, these underserved communities. And that was kind of the seed for me to experience the joy of serving um, and, and the joy of just kind of doing something for others instead of constantly just pursuing my own passion and goal. Um, and then I get, went back to America and then continued, you know, we, we got some pretty strong venture capital funding for my media company. And then in the middle of that, I closed it down because I, this was my main kind of the big reason, but I was in the middle of kind of feeling like I was achieving my dream in my own way, right? It wasn't CEO of Warner Brothers, but it was, you know, getting to run my own animation studio and have the creative um, capacity to direct and, and produce and direct and create. And it was in the middle of that, that I wasn't feeling happy at all. Mm -hmm. And that really struck me that I would spend most of my life, 30 years up to that point or 28 years up to that point, dreaming of reaching somewhere like this, and when I was there at the top of the mountain, realizing this was not the view that I signed up for. And wow. why would I not be happy if I have achieved the dream that I set out? And that meant one thing to me that my, my inner compass was just misaligned. And, and that what I was striving for and searching for was not the same thing that provides nourishment to the soul and to the heart. And so that's what kind of pushed me there's this quote by Mahatma Gandhi. He says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And that, that line hit me at that time. And I was like, okay, so I feel lost right now. And I need to go find myself. And I'm going to use service as the selfish way to experiment on how to find myself. So serving to be selfish. That was kind of <laughs> the agenda. <laughs> so rather than selfless service it's selfish service <laughs> it's selfish service and 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 i love that because that was just an experiment for me but what i realized is what it is selfish service that you're serving for yourself not for somebody else and that's real service and and, and that that's so important you know otherwise we think we are doing we think we're serving we think we're solving we think we're fixing or helping and all the while, all it is, is if, if that's what feeds your soul, you should do it, not to try to fix somebody or help, you know, from that. And there's so many, that's a longer discussion. But yes, I think the truth ends up unfolding when you find joy in it for yourself. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. So did, you know, the, Ayurvedic, oh, did the Ayurvedic 
path support your healing of your hand? It did. <laughs> I was blown away because for five years I had been trying. And within two months, so for five years I had been degressing. And within two months I started noticing an improvement. Even if it was just 5 to 10% improvement, but I was like, whoa, for five years, what couldn't even happen? Like in two months, there's a stoppage of the pain and, and a reversing, a slight reversal. So then I just, I developed deeper faith in the process and the medicine and, and the dietary changes, and I just went full throttle. So, so for those of us that, I mean, we, I'm sure many of us have heard of Ayurvedic medicine, but maybe haven't you know, deep dived into it. It you're a sort of a type, a body type or something. So you have a particular foods that you are encouraged to eat and some you're supposed to avoid. What else did does Ayurvedic uh, path, uh, Ayurvedic path um what yeah. do you have to do? Yeah, no, I think I think you you nailed it in the sense that they typically um try to see what type of body type, meaning are you earthy, gassy, um you know, uh, I, I think they, they have like, I, for, I forgot the exact ones. And then based on that, it all ends up typically being the same, which is taking acidity out of your body. Mm -hmm. And because that's what creates all types of disease, illness, chronic illnesses. So that to me is what really made sense that the more alkaline our body is, the more um, healthy we become. And, and as I did that, I, I was put on a strict diet to reduce and eliminate all elements of acidity. So socially, it became interesting, because I stopped eating out. Anytime we were doing something, I would make my simple food at home or get it made or whatever. And then I would bring that out with me. It, re it required a lot of discipline. But I was in, I was I was all in it because I'm like, wow, this is actually helping heal my my body and and uh is amazing alongside that's also where i think my journey in meditation began uh well it was prior to um this ayurvedic trip but it was three four years two no two years into the the chronic illness that i decided that i'm gonna stop alcohol and i'm gonna um uh dig deeper into meditation which was a seed that one of my roommates in new york had planted in me a while back and that became another journey that was really that's been super powerful and such an important um element in my in my journey i would say is the practice of meditation and and what it brings to what you were talking about in response to mimi's question which is the awareness of our moment to moment living and how we're interacting with um all the elements around us constantly right and and it's it's that's life is our moment to moment interaction with with every moment and the beings that are around and the events and the situation. So meditation has been an amazing tool to not only enhance those interactions, but find a lot of deeper peace and joy in each of those moments and interactions. Hmm. So, you know, we're about to go to a break, but I want to ask you a question about your journey from childhood mm -hmm. to now, who's been the most impacting person on your experience up till you know to this point Ooh, that's a tough one i really you know it's I, i've always had a struggle with that i haven't had one specific guru or guiding i think force or light but the usual suspects are there 
which is mom and dad for sure. Uh, and, and in the way they've traversed this journey as immigrants going from poverty to providing a platform of living for us. Um, and then I think, I think the real gurus have been suffering for me, which was like, you know, I was in New York right next to the trade center when that happened in nine 11, um, physical pain, suffering and relationships and just whatever blessings that have unfolded for me to be aware of the suffering and decide how to respond to it instead of react to it. Those have been constant guides and, and eventually teaching me that there's a, there's gotta be a better path to finding more joy and suffering less. And that I think inquiry. Um, so I would say Buddha is a, is a big inspiration for me. Gautam Siddhartha Gautama Buddha. Um, because that is also that lineage of thought that how do we in, in our own practice without any, need for outside help how do we secure that peace within and and that and and bring that out as well and i think that's been a lifelong journey with so many gurus everybody being a teacher in a way beautiful well we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes free my mind open my heart with the whispers of truth to live a conscious life to live a conscious life on the growing edge and now here's ali we're back so i noticed on your website this quote and it says, we arrive on this planet empty-handed, and we will all soon leave empty-handed. So then, how in what spirit, wait, so then how and in what spirit do we want to spend the time in between? Sorry to mess that up, but we get the point. So, you know, I'm imagining that you're, what you're doing now, now that you're there, You've told us about how you got to be where you are. So what is it that you're doing? What is Empty Hands Music? And how did that start from, um, you know, from when you arrived to when you started, you saw those children at the, um, do a performance when you were in New York? I'm imagining you met back up with the, that organization and, Let's hear about how you've been channeling your creativity into this beautiful community. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'll step back a little because I had a music career from 1998 to 2008. That was a music band at that time. We were the first South Asian uh, like hip hop group um, in the world. So for that reason alone, we got a lot of notoriety and support and we were able to make a career out of that. But at, in 2008, when I decided to move to India, we, you know, it was almost perfect timing. We all, and all the other members also were kind of doing multiple things. We all decided that would be our last album that we put out. And, and everybody also kind of had family, you know, they're building a family. So that became the last time I had kind of done music and it was with that intention to that I was like wow it has been an amazing musical journey and I don't really desire to continue music anymore and moving to India was a whole different experience so I really wanted to soak myself into it and then you know Ali when I moved 
to this to the Gandhi ashram with this NGO Manav Sadhana to volunteer there. Um, and kind of the intention behind Empty Hands Music was how do we provide how do well two things one is how do we use music and art and entertainment as a tool to spread love and to serve and two how do we provide a platform for those in need under our underprivileged children and um, to to use the arts as a tool of transformation so remembering the the show that I had seen in New York in two thousand two. I reached out to the same NGO and said, I wanted to create a similar experience. I want to work with a group, a handful of kids and create a show together with them. And everybody was on board. And so for the next few years, that's what we did. I, you know, it took me about a year actually to select 16 children. And eventually we went on this journey, this day to day journey of creating the show on the message of oneness. That's what I called the title of the show was called oneness. It was, in Hindi or Sanskrit, we use the word ekatva, but that just means the same. It means the spirit of oneness. And the journey that I was going on with these kids was powerful. So it was not only for me to work with these kids and give them a platform, but I, what I realized most importantly is it was an opportunity for me to change who I was and to find myself and to grow and actually to rewire who I was because like I had shared who I was up to that point was not who I wanted to be. And so this journey of working with children to create a show, two things that I'm passionate about, which is, you know, whether it's media entertainment and children, I love children. So they make me come alive and bring deep joy. And then the third element was what am I doing to, to evolve as a human being to, um, use service as a tool to not only bring deep joy in the heart, but also to rewire, to, you know, dissolve the ego a little more, um, to stop judging others, to learn what it means to be more compassionate, um, to let go. And so in this process of working with these kids, creating this show, and eventually getting the blessings from around the world, we ended up touring the show around the world. Mm -hmm. And we got visas, we got almost a quarter million dollars in support from all friends and family from around the US and UK. And we ended up taking these 16 children of mine across the US and across the UK to perform this show uh, with our NGO, Manav Sadma. And that was the most incredible, experience ali like to imagine these children haven't really even left the city that they've ever lived in and to step on a plane and not only it, to perform in front of thousands of people and get standing ovation go to disneyland go to the white house go to the empire state building like it's the works experience that most americans haven't experienced the country in and and all this love like we never stayed at a hotel we were showered with all our friends who are so well to do and like oh bring all 25 of you and stay at our home and so and you know it was what was powerful one of the learnings for me was that because of the journey itself with these children for those two years not with a dream to do a world tour but with just the intention to, to love my kids and to be with them and to be with them through their personal journey, health, education, family, um, 
I realized that that love is what magnetized a greater capacity for this tour to magically unfold because there were a lot of miracles that happened in order for the tour to unfold. And it was not something that one person could just create and make, you know? Um, and so it was like, that was one thing that I started, it started reaffirming for me that when our intention is pure, the world conspires. And I know we've heard of that before, but it was powerful to experience it. Um, and I think that journey of working with kids, loving them, experiencing what it means to shift my old ways of thinking and my old habit patterns made me fall in love with this path of like, I thought initially that it'd be an experiment that maybe I'll do it for a year or two, find myself and then go back to making money and doing what I need to do and living my career out. But what I realized is it's just a lifelong journey of learning and growing and to do that while helping others do the same was like such a win-win. What a blessing. And all I realized also moving to India was all the comforts that I thought I wanted and that I thought I needed, you know, I didn't really care about because there was a deeper joy that was, that was just glowing inside. And so living in a hundred degree weather all throughout the year, sometimes 110, sometimes 115, having pollution, uh, not having all the clean veggies and fruits that I have in my grocery stores in America and not having that, that social construct that we have back home in the U S all those things paled to the da daily joy of living. And, and that is what I started realizing. People were like, okay, so when are you coming back or what are you doing next? And when we got back from our tour, I always share this as my biggest accomplishment in my life. When we got back from this world tour, you know, the BBC had covered it. They put it on their big world news report. It was a highly kind of coveted thing to take children from these communities across the planet. And we'll, everybody's like, what are you doing next? How are you building off of this? You have this massive kind of following of people that will support you and this and that. And going back to like why I was here was to change myself. And what I realized is I needed to just do nothing because I needed to detach from the joy of the glory of a big project. And what I decided for the next year was to just support my children in their journey back to education and academics and personal life and serve the NGO that I was volunteering at Manav Sadhana in small ways. I always like to say, I, I just wanted to wash dishes. That's what I needed to do. And, and when people ask me, what are you doing now? Like what's next? And to struggle with my own ego and to be able to say nothing, I'm just helping out in small ways. I'm not directing a project. I'm not a founder of this or I'm not a doer of that. I'm just helping and serving in small ways. That's what my ego needed to deal with. And, and I knew, and it was such an amazing yet difficult year to be able to go without attaching myself to something and yet have to deal with that internal dialogue of no, the mind and the ego are playing games. No, the heart says this is the right thing. But the magic that unfolded a year later in this emptiness is that I just, I had this itch to start writing music again. Mm. And it had been five years since I had quit and I never had an agenda to desire or desire to start writing. And that's where I reached out to Daniel because I had heard his water album 
Daniel Namod, for those of you that might or may not know him, but he's one of my favorite singers on this planet uh, and songwriters. And I reached out to him because he had reached out to me earlier because I had somebody had written an article on me and my kids when we were coming across America. And they ended the article with Daniel's lyrics of planting seeds, nothing more. Mm-hmm. Because I had been sharing Dan's music with everybody because I fell in love with the Water album that he has. And Dan somehow got that article forwarded to him and he was deeply moved because he's like, how is this human being halfway across the planet being inspired to serve children through my music? <laughs> so he reached out, he reaches out to me. This is in 2012. He's like, yo, I, I'm like, yes, I've been loving your music. And by the way, I'm bringing this group of kids to Los Angeles would you want to open the show with the song? And he's like, are you kidding me? Yes. So the first time we ever meet is in prayer, a circle of our hands with all our kids on the stage at John Muir Middle School in downtown Los Angeles. And Dan shows up. And that was the beginning of our brotherhood. And literally a year later, when I got this itch to write music again, I was like, Dan, your planting seed song has been a big inspiration for me because it's been so tough to let go to do with a pure intention without expecting something in return. And that is why that song became the Bible for me to practice. And I was like, can we do a remake of it? Cause I want to start writing music again. I'm getting this itch. He's like, well, I've never done hip hop, but let's do it. <laughs> and that's how the music journey became, began and empty hands started flourishing because I wrote that song. Then I started writing, I wrote another song called Being Kind, just to give as a gift to people that were taking part of it in a 21 Day Kindness Challenge as part of a sister NGO called Service Space. Mm-hmm. And then they write to parlay from the 21 Day Kindness Challenge, they did a 21 Gratitude Day Challenge into Thanksgiving of that year, 2013. And the founders of the organization joked around with me, They're like, okay, Nemo, you just did Being Kind and you made a music video for that. Why don't you do a song on gratitude and we'll share it with the, the, the participants of this gratitude challenge. And I'm like, ha ha ha, sorry, songs don't come out like that, you know? <laughs> and then I messaged Dan. I'm like, Dan, okay, song number two. We're doing a song on gratitude. Let's do it. And literally for the next month and a half, we just went back and forth. I was in India. He was in Orange County. And we created that. And then another miracle happened. Ellie Walton, my dear soul sister, ended up moving into my apartment complex the day that I was looking for somebody to shoot my music video for Grateful, which was due in three days because Thanksgiving was coming up. And she's like, yeah, totally. And I just met her through a friend. She was on a Fulbright scholarship. We ended up shooting the music video in three days, getting with help from people all around the world. And we put it out and it, and it goes viral in the spiritual communities at least and, and really ends up, touching a lot of people's hearts. And that's when I knew that music could be of deep service and it didn't have to be me as an entertainer, but I could be a servant. I can, I can serve the music. And, and I think we have that music video to share. Michael has it all tapped up. (laughs) We do. I would, let's, let's see, let's watch, let's listen.
You're my life, you're my breath, you're a smile, you're my guest, you're the earth, you're the sun, you're the grass, you are love. You're my hand, you're a bug, you're my eyes, you're a hug, you're the light in the dark, you're the spark, you are fun. You're my mom, you are water, you're the stars, you're my daughter, you're my friend till the end, you're my dreams, you're my father. You're the ants on the ground, the miracles that surround, I'm feeling it all around, the hemisphere in the clouds. You're my pain, you're my sorrow, you're my hope for tomorrow, you're the strength when I'm hollow, you're the path that I follow. You're the blessings that exist, the small things that are bliss, the gift to realize that all that I am, all that I see, all that I've been, and all that I'll ever be is a blessing. It's so amazing, and I'm grateful for it all, for it all. that I learn every time I turn around you're the water when I'm burned every time I think I found everything I'm looking forward to the sign saying stop to take a bow and keep moving forward and start looking towards your heart it'll open all the doors and only then you'll start to hear the world singing chorus with your mind and heart aligned and purpose everything all will feel gorgeous I sit and pray cause what I have is more than I deserve or could ever imagine How do I get back to all of this magic and spread the love so everybody can have it Doesn't matter if I'm rich or poor, if I got a family or if I'm all alone Bad things happen, I can just complain and moan But there's a million things that I can be grateful for The small things that are bliss, the gift to realize that everything is a gift. Wow. Absolutely beautiful. You know, Thank as, you. As I'm watching that, and I, I can only imagine the joy that, you know, went in, that came up in making that. And I can only imagine all of the hearts that have been impacted not only you know 
through this video and through this song, but all the work that you've done, you, know, you on your own spiritual path, on your own journey to healing, your own, um, you know, moving to India, as you share it, I can just see and feel all the impact that you have had on the children you've worked with, the families that are connected to those children. Um, it's you're just you're doing it you are making a big impact in in big and small ways and uh, that song that i just you know, like i mentioned earlier before the show we played that in our center and i kid the kids love it <laughs> got a, a particular beat to it that that inspires getting up and moving and feeling grateful. So thank you for yeah. oh. sharing that beautiful song you and Daniel made together. Yeah, no, thank you, Ali. Thank you so much for sharing sharing that. And you know, like like I was saying, I think the journey for me is just um, how do I keep impacting myself actually? And then I think the the idea of who knows? Who knows? what impact it's having on the world or, you know, in a way it sounds a little harsh, but who cares? Like truly if I can, and if we all can just keep purifying ourselves as instruments, then the impact is going to happen on its own. And the moment we let go is when the magic happens, hmm. you know? And yeah. I think that, that to me is such a um, profound process. And uh, then at, at some point, then it's like, just keep flowing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this show is titled Growing Edge. And I, I picked that title mm. because I, I think we're all on the very growing edge of our own evolution, our own becoming. And so what is it that you see right now based on all the work you've done? What is it that the world needs now here at the growing edge? Like what, what do we how can we use the the vehicle of our lives our bodies to to grow evolve and become whatever it is the world needs now yeah I, you know there's so many things probably that could that we can respond to that question with but i think um on the growing edge is the simplicity of presence and awareness which is quite um, sometimes lacking, if not, we're, we're moving away from because of the speed and rapidity in which um, technology and sensationalization is taking over our minds and our eyes. Um, so I really feel like how do we get rooted back into daily practices of being present, of being kind, of doing small things, um, for the people around us and not think so much about the horrors of the big, of some big picture and the darkness that exists. So it, you know, to me, it comes back to small practices of uh, that root us in presence and in love. And to me, love in action is being kind. And, and, and that to me, how, how can I be kind to the person next to me or a stranger? And I think that's what, um, and it's, it's not easy. That's why when I think of edge, I actually think of it because it's, it's hard to be present these days. And it's hard to be kind in a, in a world where we're feeling on the edge all the time. You know, so I think that's what I would push ourselves 
boards if if we could and it's accessible yeah that's beautiful yeah it's simple it's simple it's not always yeah. easy with the distractions of life the challenges and like you mentioned you know we're we're becoming more and more disconnected because we are so you know reliant on our, our screens and you know and so i i can imagine being being with children um mm -hmm. being present with them you know in the midst of you know living in tough circumstances that that is a way to you know i think of myself as a child and how there were just a couple of people that made a, a really big heart print. And it wasn't because they, you know, did anything that extraordinary in my for me or in my life. It was just they they saw me, they heard me, and they gave me some attention. And so, you know, it's yes, your songs maybe have this big global reach, but you right there with with the kids that you're working with, you know, accepting them making time for them you know listening to them that's that's a gift that i'm sure each and every one of them will take into their lives and into their adulthood and you know pass it on pay it forward yeah no it is it's a gift both ways that's what the magic is i i, I feel so blessed to have relationships with so many children and to be a part of their lives even if i'm not the mother or father but to be a part of their life and be a seed in their journey is a gift. Absolutely. So how can people support yeah. your empty hands music and your, what you're doing? How can they get in touch with you through your website? I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. So emptyhandsmusic.org. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for putting that up there. Um, and, uh, and obviously Instagram and all those things, Nemo empty hands or, listening to the music, spreading the message, practicing the message of love and gratitude. There we go. That's how you can support. <laughs> um, then, then we're kind of really flowing in the same river. So yes, how can we, you know, just, just serve and, and, and give a little more of ourselves, you know, call an, an extra person, a family member that wasn't part of the family yesterday. Um, this to me is the message at heart. And, and the more we can do this collectively is, how we're supporting this greater movement and mission that we're all part of. So beautiful. Absolutely. Well, thank you, thank, Nemo. You. Yeah. thank you so much for being my guest today. I love and appreciate you thank and you. just cheer you on. And thank you everyone for watching. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest, Janine Burns and goodbye. Hear it from the growing edge. Lots of love. Know that you're seen, you're heard, you're loved. Bye-bye. Free my mind, open my heart with the whispers of truth to live a conscious life, to live a conscious life on the growing edge.